Praise God. Father, we thank you. Another opportunity to share your word with your church. And we thank you for that opportunity this morning. And we pray, God, your blessings upon those that would hear. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to speak to you this morning on the subject, don't make a big mistake. Don't make a big mistake. In Psalm chapter 78 and verse 9, the children of Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. They kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law and forgot his works and his wonders that he had showed them. Now, they were equipped physically. They were carrying their bows, and obviously they were soldiers, and they knew how to use that equipment. But the Bible says that they turned back, which means to turn around or return. It means to retire from battle. Very important. They retired from the battle. And in verse 10, they kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law. They kept not, which means they didn't guard it. They didn't observe it. And they didn't give heed to the words of God. The covenant is an agreement. It's an agreement when we're born again that we agree with God, that we would abide in him. He said if we continue in him, and so on and so forth. And the Bible says they refused, which means to refuse utterly. I don't want it. Don't even tell me about it. Don't talk to me about it. I don't want to hear it. It doesn't mean just to refuse. It means to refuse utterly. To walk in his law. Which meant to proceed in the direction that God desired under his instruction. The manner of life that God desired for them. So they go into battle without a covenant, without a covering, without a protection, with a spirit of disobedience and refusal and rebellion. And in verse 11, and they forgot his works and his wonders that he showed them. (laughs) He forgot. They ignored it. They allowed it to wither in their life. The memories of the works and wonders of God. Listen to what this means. They forgot. They ceased to care. They were busy with themselves doing. The word forgot in the Hebrew means wantonness, which means depravity, immorality, and shameless behavior. Wow. Kind of descriptive of the world that we're living in. Kind of descriptive of how the church has turned in many quarters from God. Let's talk about examples of retreat. In the book of Numbers, chapter 13, verse 33, And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, 
And so were in their sight grasshoppers. We're just little people. We can't beat them. Although God said, go in and possess the land, I'm with you. In the book of Judges, chapter 7 and verse 3, in the days of Gideon, the Bible says, Now therefore go and proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And there return that one day, 20 and 2,000, and there remain 10,000, and that dwindled down to 300. Imagine losing all these people in one day because they returned. What does it mean to return? They turned back. They retreated. They withdrew. Don't bother me. I'm busy. I can't handle this. This is too much. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 17 and 24, And all the men of Israel, all the soldiers, when they saw the man, Goliath, they fled from him and were sore afraid. They fled, which means to flit, to vanish away, escape, to put into flight. Here today and gone tomorrow. But look what this word here, sore afraid. The word sore in Greek means vehemently, totally, speedily, and exceedingly. And the word afraid means to fear and to frighten and to dread. People in general today are in, are in exceeding fear in our country. Exceedingly. Because we're looking at everything as if Goliath is so big, he cannot be taken down. And we continue to speak what they're doing instead of speaking of what God is doing. Come on now. That's what comes out of, did you hear what they're doing? Did you hear what they're doing? When we turn our conversation back to God and begin to proclaim and say, well, let me tell you what God's doing. Let me tell you what God's doing. Praise the Lord. In Matthew chapter 26 and verse 55, in the same hour, Jesus said to the multitudes, are you come out as against me as a thief with swords and staves to take me? I sat daily with you teaching in the temple, and you laid no hold on me. You could have arrested me. But all this was done, that the scripture of the prophets be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. I'm giving you examples of retreat. The disciples said, we're done. They forsook God. You know what it means to forsake in that verse? It means to separate from. A lot of people are going to separate from God in the last day. You'll see people in the churches separate from God. They've already begun the process of separating from God and they fled away, which means they vanished, they escaped, and there will be a great falling away in the last day. Praise the Lord. Some people, praise God, are faint-hearted. The book of Leviticus, chapter 26 and verse 36 in the message version, it says this, As for those among you still alive... I'll give them over to fearful timidity. Even the rustle of a leaf will throw them into a panic. They'll run here and there and back and forth as if running for their lives, even though no one is after them, tripping and falling over one another in total confusion. You won't stand a chance against an enemy. You'll perish among the nations. The land of your enemies will eat you up. They became so dreadful that God gave them over to fear. 
gave them over. The book of Numbers, chapter 14 and verse 1, talk about faint-heartedness. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. They cried. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt? Or would God we had died in the wilderness? And wherefore hath the Lord brought us up into this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return unto Egypt? Isn't that what people are saying today? Just give in. Acquiesce. Accept. Wait a minute. Whose side are we on? Whose side are we on this morning? Are we fighting? Are we just saying, case it us and all, what will be will be? Are we going to turn over the keys of our home to the enemy? Come on, folks. Think about what God is saying here. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 20, and verse 8, another example of faint-heartedness. And the officers shall speak further unto the people, and they shall say, What man is there that is fearful and faint-hearted? They took a poll. Yeah. A poll. Who is what? Fearful and faint-hearted. And you know what the men of God said? Let him go and return unto his house, lest his brethren, listen to this, lest his brethren's heart faint as well as his heart. It's a spiritual virus that becomes contagious, my friend. And we must be careful of the spiritual virus. We're so afraid of the physical virus, but we're not even talking about the spiritual virus of negativity, praise God, and it's contagious and it affects the hearts of other people. One conversation can throw you under the bus. One conversation can lay you in the shade. Isaiah said in the message version, Isaiah 30 and verse 17, Think again. A thousand of you will scatter before one attacker. Before a mere five, you'll all run off. There'll be nothing left of you. A flagpole on a hill with no, with no flag. A signpost on a roadside with the sign torn off. I don't want to be no flagpole with no flag on top. Come on, man. Think about it. Think about that. This is God speaking. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The Bible talks about in Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 28. It says this. Whither shall we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts, saying, The people is greater and taller than we. The cities are great and walled up to heaven. And moreover, we have seen the sons of the Anakins there. Really? Really, the, the, the cities are great and walled up to heaven. Boy, that's a pretty high wall. That's a really big wall. To heaven? The imagination. The spirit that comes to us and gets us to imagine nonsense. Things that are so dumb and stupid and foolish. And people believe it. You know why? Because they said it. Did you hear what they said? Who? Who are you talking about? Are they motivated by the Spirit of God? 
Do they have the Holy Spirit comforter in their life? Are they speaking to you? Turn it off. It's not edifying. It'll send you into depression. It'll send you into a relapse. Come on. It'll send you into a relapse if you're not careful. Listen to what it says in the message version, the same verse. How can we go up? We're trapped in a dead end. Our brothers took all the wind out of our sails, telling us the people are bigger and stronger than we are. Their cities are huge. Their defenses massive. And we even saw Anakin's giants there. What did God say? He said, go in and possess the land. I've already taken it for you. This is what God said. Whose report will we believe this morning? CNN? NBC? CBS? ABC? People are glued. Glued. To negativity. To lies. Think about it for a moment. Who will believe the report of the Lord? First Samuel chapter 4, verse 1, getting on to the theme of the sermon this morning. And the word of the Lord came to Samuel, to all of Israel. Mm-hmm. Now Israel went out against the Philistines to battle and pitched besides Ebenezer, and the Philistines pitched in Aphek. Now this is an interesting verse. Because these guys are going out without a covenant, without a protection, without an agreement with God, and they're going to go fight some battle, knowing that they forgot the works and wonders of God, knowing that they have refused the truth of the prophet. They don't want to hear it, but they're going to go out to battle. Don't make a big mistake, my friend. Don't go out to battle without the covenant of God. Don't go out to battle without an agreement with God. You better know the verse in Scripture. You better know what you're doing, in the last days especially. Because if you get caught off guard, you're going to suffer great consequences. Don't make a big mistake. Listen to what God is saying this morning. The Bible says, now they went out against, means they were going to encounter an enemy. And they were going to do what? To do battle. They were going to make war against the enemy. And where did they do? They pitched their tent. They encamped. They are around a certain place called Ebenezer. And the word Ebenezer in Hebrew means stone of help. It's a memorial stone erected by Samuel to mark where God helped Israel to defeat the Philistines north of Jerusalem. The word Ebenezer means one who helps and one who supports. But you know what they were doing? You know what they were doing in their insanity? They were going to use this place, Ebenezer, as a rabbit's foot because they were thinking it's a lucky charm. So let's camp there because, you know, before, you know, you know why the stone's there. You know why Samuel put it there. We won a victory north of Jerusalem. So they're thinking, hey, let's camp there as a sign. You know, we're not going to believe in God, but we're going to make this a rabbit's foot and a lucky charm. And we're going to get through this. (laughs) Superstitious behavior never pays off. Don't make a big mistake and not inquire of God. Look what happened. And the Philistines put themselves in array against Israel. And when they joined the battle, Israel was smitten before the Philistines 
And they slew of the army in the field about 4,000 men. Let's look at that. 4,000 of your soldiers just got killed. Who's in charge? You tell me what general was in charge of that, that uh, platoon. Who? Who? They, they arranged. They, they, they're preparing to go against this army. And the Bible says they were smitten. Smitten. Praise the Lord. Which means to be uh, struck down, beaten, defeated, and stumbled. You know why? You have to ask yourself a question. The question is, why were they defeated? There was no humility. Nor did they inquire and pray to God for success. Because they said to God, we don't need you. What do we need you for? Look at our army. We are strong. And in one battle, 4,000 soldiers that day lost their lives. Israel engaged in a war that could not be won. You know why? Simple. They weren't right with God. You'll never win a war unless you're right with God. You'll never win a war. You'll think you will. You'll have some rabbit's foot in your pocket thinking, well, you know, this worked before. Don't count on it. Gill said in his commentary, he says, there was a reason ready at hand. Their sins and iniquities were the cause of it. The corruption of manners among them. Their neglect of bringing their offerings to the Lord and the idolatry that many of them were guilty of. End of quote. What does that sound like? Doesn't sound like a lot of people are singing in the choir lately. Sounds like a lot of people have become faint-hearted. Sounds like people are going home with their tail between their legs and giving up and getting busy. Busy. If I keep busy, I won't have to think about this. If I keep busy, I, w I won't have to deal with it. Let me talk to you about an earlier prophecy concerning what Samuel gave to Eli. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 22, this is interesting because it comes into play later. Because you know there's God. And God lines it all up. Now Eli was very old and heard all that his sons did unto all Israel. And how they lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. You know what that means. And he said unto them, why do you such things? For I hear of your evil dealings by all the people. Nay, my sons, for it is not a good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people to transgress. If one man sinned against another, the judge shall judge him. But if a man sin against the Lord, who shall entreat for him? Notwithstanding, they hearken not unto the voice of their father, because the Lord would slay them. This was a prophecy in 1 Samuel chapter 22, that something bad was going to happen in the family of Eli that was prophesied by the prophet Samuel. Listen to what the word says. In 1 Samuel, uh, excuse me, I'm going to Psalm 78 and verse 58. For they provoked him to anger with their high places, that's the idolatry, and moved him to jealousy with their graven images. God has no place for religion. Religion is a dead end. Dead end. And people practice religion all the time. But it doesn't bring any comfort to the heart. So here's what happens. 
They lose 4,000 men in one day. And you think you'd learn? You think you learn by your mistake? You, you think if you put your hand in the frying pan, you wouldn't do it again the same day? The Bible says in verse Samuel, 1 Samuel 4, 3, here's the carnal plan. We're going to figure this out. I got a plan. I got a plan. And when the people were coming to the camp, the elders said, Wherefore has the Lord smitten us today before the Philistines? Let us fetch the ark of the covenant out of Shiloh unto us, that when it cometh among us, it may save us out of the hand of our enemies. Here's that superstitious behavior, lucky charm behavior again. They're not right with God. They are not right with God. They're not right to even touch that covenant, Ark of the Covenant. So the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring forth the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of hosts, which dwelleth between the cherubims. And the two sons of Eli, these are the ones that Samuel prophesied about, Hophni and Phinehas were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. These guys were practicing sexual immorality in the church. Their dad knew it, but said nothing about it. Didn't rebuke them. Said, boys, I've heard some bad stuff. Okay, what'd you do about it? Just like David and his own family after he committed adultery with Bathsheba. What did he do about it? Nothing. Really nothing. That was one of the weaknesses of King David as a father, as a protector. Listen, what's going on here? The word Shiloh means what? It was a city in Ephraim and a temporary home of the Ark of the Covenant and the tabernacle and the place where Samuel grew up. And the word Shiloh means place of rest or tranquility. So here's what they're thinking. We have a plan because we had a committee meeting and the taxpayers paid for it. After millions of dollars and talking around the round table, we have decided in our best interest to go retrieve the Ark of the Covenant in the city of Shiloh. Because that's going to bring us victory. Hmm. What happened? So the people, praise the Lord, um, you know, they're, they're going to say, okay, we got this covered now. They blame God for the defeat of 4,000 men, really. Because you know why? There was no remorse or repentance on their part. So now they're going to do plan B, which is the carnal plan. Listen. Carnality with God is just death. It's a death sentence. When you're not led by the Spirit of God and you don't have the counsel of the Lord and there's safety in the multitude of counselors, you're, you're a train ready for a wreck somewhere to hit a wall or go off the rails. I'm going to be quite frank with you. So many people are going to go off the rails because they think they know better than God and they set themselves up as God on the throne. I, look at me. I can make this. I, I, I'm a big person. Really? Without God, we're nothing. So here's what happens. Let's fetch the Ark of the Covenant out of Shiloh because people think God is a lucky charm or a rabbit's foot or a spare tire. Hmm. They took the Ark of God into battle thinking it would bring them victory. Eli did not speak up and allowed the Ark of the Covenant to be taken. Eli also allowed his sons to accompany the ark while they were living, weren't living for God. The priesthood was corrupt and the people of God were disobedient. So they're going to carry the ark, which is the presence of God Almighty, that you have in your soul through salvation. You have that in here. I have that in here. Deity. 
They're going to carry deity. The presence of Almighty God. And in verse 5 of 1 Samuel 4, And when the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout so that the earth rang again. They were shouting. They're not in covenant. They forsook God. They're on their own. They're rebellious, stubborn, resentful, blaming God. But they're shouting about the Ark of the Covenant. Why? 1 Samuel 4, 5 in the HCSB version says this. When the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord entered the camp, all the Israelites raised such a loud voice that the ground shook. But there was a problem with their shout. It was empty. You don't have a shout unless you know Jesus. You don't have a shout unless you know the Holy Spirit. What shout do you have? It's empty. The presence of God is null and void. They're shouting. You know why? Because they're thinking, hey, we got what we need to defeat this army now. We might have lost 4,000 guys on the battlefield, but that's okay. That's okay. It's only 4,000. There was nothing spiritual in their shout. It was empty praise and worship. It had no meaning to God because the element of true worship was absent. Religion. Just because we come to church doesn't mean we're truly worshiping God. This can be just an exercise in religion for all we know. This could just be an exercise in religion. I come, I leave, I come, I leave, I don't change, I don't allow God to convict me, I don't allow God to do some things in my life. It's empty. We stay the same. That's not what God's will is, to stay the same. Because when the presence of God is in our midst, the presence of God wants to do something in our midst. We must decrease and he must increase. Follow this story here. What happens? The Philistines had more resolve and determination than the Israelites. Because in 1 Samuel 4, 6, And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, What meaneth the noise of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews? They heard it. The earth rumbled. And they understood that the ark of the Lord was come into the camp. And yes, the Philistines were afraid, for they said, God has come into the camp. And they said, woe to us, for there had not been such a thing heretofore. Not seen this before, they said. Woe to us, who shall deliver us out of the hand of this, these mighty gods? These are the gods that smote the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. But listen to what they said. Listen to what the Philistine general said. Be strong and quit yourselves like men, O ye Philistines, that you may not be servants unto the Hebrews as they have been to you. Quit yourselves like men and fight. You know what was happening here? Yeah, they were afraid. Yeah, they knew the importance of the ark of God more than the Jews knew. But you know what their generals told their soldiers? Fight for your lives unless you want to become slaves to the Hebrews. Come on, people. 
fight for your lives unless you want to become slaves to the Hebrews. Yes, we are afraid, the Philistines said. And it looks like they can win with the Ark of the Covenant. But we're not returning. We're not retreating. We're not retiring. We're going to do battle against them and we're going to have resolve. The Philistines had resolve and determination to fight and not become the property of the Hebrews. That's what verse 9 means. It means fight for your lives. We should have the same resolve, church. And determination not to become the property of the enemy. And the enemies of our soul. We should be fighting for our loved ones and the ones that we love. People are already laying down. Already laying down. It's kind of like an antichrist spirit promising everybody two chickens and a cell phone and a bag of potato chips every day. We got you. We'll take care of you. And one day the antichrist is going to get up in the temple and he's going to schmooze the people. Many of them religious people. Many of them were in church people. Don't worry, I'll take care of you. For three and a half years. And then in the middle of those three and a half years, we'll go into the temple and say, I'm God. Ooh. Now you'll do what I tell you to do. Without two chickens in every pot. Without your cell phone. Without your bag of potato chips. Because I'll put a mark on you. That you can't buy or sell without my permission. And people will line up. In the tribulation days, they'll line up. Because we have to eat. We have to go to the store. What's happening? What happened? Look at verse 10. And the Philistines fought. They didn't go home. And Israel was smitten, and they fled every man into his tent, and there was a very great slaughter, for there fell of Israel 30,000 footmen. Not 4,000, 30,000 footmen. How can you do this to your men? How can you leave them dead on a battlefield? First 4,000, and now 30,000. I'm not saying 300 or 3,000, folks. 34,000 people dead because they had no leadership. And when there's no leadership and when the righteous don't rule, people die. When evil takes over, wickedness blankets a land. And we've seen that in many countries in the world when wickedness took over. When the righteous reign, the people are in peace. The people are in Shiloh, so to speak. They're in peace and tranquility. And most normal people in America want Shiloh. Most normal people just want to go to work, raise their family, have a dinner, watch a movie, and take care of their flowers and their gardens. People aren't asking for a whole lot. Americans work hard. We're not racist people. But they keep putting that lie out there through the boob tube that we hate each other. That we hate each other. You know what I'm finding out? 
I love to go shopping. Not for clothes or nothing like that. I, I like to go grocery shopping. I and mean, you know what I have observed? The politeness and the kindness and the manners of other people. It's amazing. Is it just amazing? Yeah. Oh, excuse me. That's okay. No worries. Thank you. No problem. No worries. People willing to help you. People kind to one another. People just want to live normal. They want to raise their kids. Have their lives. Live their dreams, their hopes, their visions for their life. And an enemy has invaded us to take that away from America. It's invaded us to take our freedom and our liberty and our freedom of speech. Once they begin to censor, and once they're right to say your piece, whether you agree with it or not, there should be an outrage in our society. There should be an outrage. Listen, I have worked with people that had different sexual preferences. I have worked with minorities. I pastored a church for 20 years in a prison that was basically made up of minorities, as they would say. Never had a fight. Never had a racial incident. I'm a Caucasian pastor. What was the secret? Love and respect and telling the truth. They came back. By the hundreds. They came back. Why? Life isn't that hard in interpersonal relationships. Humility. I work with people that have different opinions and ideas than I do. But I work with them. I respected them. Yes, they knew I was different. And I knew they were different, but that's okay. Maybe you don't like vanilla flavor ice cream. I do. Maybe you like chocolate. Maybe you like chocolate chip. I don't know. Maybe you like superhero ice cream. I don't know. But it's okay if you like either or. It doesn't bother me if that's what you like. By the way, grandchildren, I bought root beer ice cream. And I knew it was going to be so popular that I actually bought two of them because it's going to go like hotcakes. Yeah. Yeah. Root beer float, it's called. Imagine that. I just thought I'd throw that in. I didn't charge you for that. Praise the Lord. Listen. The Philistines, praise God, 30,000. Hey, what happened here? Look what, look what God's saying. And verse 10 and 11. And the Philistines fought, and Israel was smitten, and they fled every man unto his tent, and there was a great slaughter. Therefore there fell 30,000 footmen, and the ark of God was taken. And the two sons of Eli, remember the prophecy? Haphni and Phinehas were slain, and Israel was obliterated and lost 30,000 men that day. The two sons of Eli, as it was prophesied, were killed. They all represented the presence of God. God only remains when we keep the covenant. God only remains when we keep the covenant. And when we keep the covenant, we keep the presence of Almighty God. People fool themselves. Too many people are becoming empty shells. There's no glory. There's no facial glory 
You could see it, you could discern it. Empty, no shout, not even a shout. <laughs> Nothing. Struggling. Continue to struggle. Do the same thing every day. Just live out the definition of insanity instead of crying out and calling upon God and saying, God, I can't take this much more. And you know what they should be saying? I can't take myself much more. <laughs> I can't take myself much more. Do something, God. Because if I'm miserable in here, I must be making people out there very much miserable too. And it's not nice to make people miserable. Because you know what will happen? People will retreat. And they will go away. Because people are inundated with their own problems. And they're willing to help you. But when they see the same old, same old peanut butter and jelly, peanut butter and jelly, peanut butter and jelly, they say, you know, man, I don't think I can help you. Because you're at the point now where only God can intervene and help you. Israel loses 30,000. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 27, I'll read it again. The prophecy. A holy man came to Eli and said, this is God's message. I revealed myself openly to your ancestors when they were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt. Out of all the tribes of Israel, I chose your family to be my priests, to preside at the altar, to burn incense, to wear priestly robes in my presence. I put your ancestral family in charge of all the sacrificial offerings in Israel. So why do you now treat as mere loot these very sacrificial offerings that I commanded for my worship? Why do you treat your sons better than me, Eli, turning them loose to get fat on these offerings and ignoring me? What a rebuke. Therefore, this is God's word, the God of Israel speaking. I once said that you and your ancestral family will be my priests indefinitely. But now, God's word, remember, there is no way that this can continue. Wow. What? God changed his mind? I honor those who honor me. Those who scorn me, I demean. Be well warned. It won't be long before I wipe out both your family and your future family. No one in your family will make it to old age. You'll see good things that I'm doing in Israel, but you'll see it and weep, for no one in your family will live to enjoy it. I will leave one person to serve at my altar, but it will be a hard life with many tears. Everyone else in your family will die before their time. What happens to your two sons, Hafni and Phinehas, will be the proof. Both will die the same day. This was in 1 Samuel chapter 2, before this happened. God warned him. Do we think that we can serve God in sin? Do, do we think that God will just excuse our rebellion and our stubbornness and our unforgiveness? Do, do we really think that God would be pleased with that type of behavior? News travels fast, my friends. Haven't you noticed how rumors start and travel quickly? In 1 Samuel 4.12, after they lost 30,000 men, and there ran a man of Benjamin out of the army and came to Shiloh the same day with his clothes rent and with the earth upon his head. And when he came low, Eli sat upon a seat by the wayside watching. That was his problem. All he was doing was watching. Not intervening as a man of God. Not disciplining his sons. And allowed them to become sexually immoral in the house of God. He was watching. For his heart trembled for the ark of God. 
And when the man came into the city and told it all, the city cried out. And when Eli heard the voice of the crying, he said, What meaneth this noise of this tumult? Why, why is everybody crying? And the man came in hastily and told Eli in verse 15. Now Eli was 98 years old, and his eyes were dim, that he could not see. And the man said unto Eli, I am he that's come out of the army, and I fled, praise God, to today out of the army. And he said, What is there done, my son? And the messenger answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines, and there has been also a great slaughter among the people. And thy two sons also, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God is taken. And it came to pass, when he made mention of the ark of God, that he fell from off his seat backward by the side of the gate, and his neck broke, and he died, for he was an old man and heavy, and he judged Israel forty years. You know, he didn't die and fall backwards when he heard that his sons died. But he died when he heard that the Ark of the Covenant was taken. Because Eli knew you can't live without the presence of God. He was in more despair concerning the Ark of God being taken than his two sons dying because he already knew they would die according to the prophecy of Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 2. Eli knew. But he chose not to because his sons gave him the good meat from the offerings, the prime rib, center cuts, which didn't belong to him. And he pleasured himself into thinking, hey, I got God. But really, when God's presence was gone, that's when he fell off his seat. But at the end of the story, he's not there. In 1 Samuel 4.19, And his daughter-in-law, Phineas's wife, one of his son's wives, was with child, and near to be delivered. And when she heard the tidings that the ark of God was taken, and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and travailed, for her pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the woman that stood by her said unto her, Fear not, for thou hast borne a son. But she answered not, neither did she regard it. And she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory is departed from Israel because the ark of God was taken and because of her father-in-law and her husband. Ichabod was written on the door of her family. The presence of God is no longer when God writes Ichabod on the door of a church, it will never be reversed. When Ichabod writes, when God writes Ichabod on the door of a nation, it will never return. Because the presence of God that was there has been lifted. What does it mean? That the glory of the Lord, the splendor of God, the reverence for God, the reputation that God so desires was gone. No glory. The woman heard the ark was taken. Her father-in-law died. Her husband died. His brother died. And she gave birth to a son. And she died in childbirth. But before, she named him Ichabod because the glory 
is departed from Israel. Whew. My, my. What a sad commentary on a nation. People don't think that can happen again. It can happen in your family, my family, happen in our church, it can happen across our nation. What's God saying? This woman had heard the ark was taken and was concerned about its departure. So should we be concerned about the presence of God missing from our homes, our churches, and our families, and our country? Has the glory departed from the church in America is a great question. Has the glory departed from our homes is another great question. And has the glory departed from our country, which is even a greater question. Here's God's admonition to the church. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. This is what God says to do, no matter what happens. He said, let us come, therefore, boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Look at the verses that I'm going to read to you. This is the admonition to the church. This is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to come boldly to where? The throne of grace. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Do what? Hold on to your profession of faith. Don't let anyone take it from you. And provoke, help your brother and sister through love and good works to maintain their profession of faith. Hebrews 12.1 says, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is before us. No time to retreat. No time to become faint-hearted. No time to go home. No time to be fearful. No time to be in dread. But time to show up in God's army because we're soldiers of the Lord Jesus Christ in the army of God. And the Bible says, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He said in Hebrews 13, 13, let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. They're going to say bad things about you. They're going to say bad things about you. They're going to label you because you love God and you love Jesus and you love your family and you love your church. They're going to label you. They've already started. It's a sad commentary when someone has a different opinion than them and they want to close down a man's business. Take a livelihood away from a man. Not give you a job because you believe in God and you believe in something that's different than what they believe in. Or you can't work here. Or fire you because you believe the way you believe. People say, well, is that happening, Pastor? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Freedom, free speech, a right of every American. 
until now. We can tell you what you can say. And if we don't like what you say, we'll just close you down. Because we got the button. The button of technology. Let me remind you of something. They tried to do the same thing during the Roman Empire to the early church. And they persecuted many. And many died. But you know what? Without electronics, without internet, without television, the apostles, disciples, and followers of Jesus in those days preached to the then known world the gospel of Jesus Christ, obeying the command of God to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. <laughs> you can shut down the doors of a church, you can shut down free speech on an internet, social media platform. But you will never be able to shut down the social networking of Christians who somehow know how to communicate with each other through the prayer chains, through God impressing us to pray for such and such a person in this particular time. You'll never shut that down. They tried in the Roman Empire. How did they make out with that? Not that good. Because the gospel was preached. And Jesus promised that this gospel will be preached to every nation. Every nation. <laughs> People think, well, we need this and we need that. Oh, God has different ways of communicating, my friends. He has different ways of getting his message out. Let me close. Hebrews 13, 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Opening our mouth and thanking God for what he's given us. Grateful that we're privileged to be blessed. And finally in 1 John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. You'll know them by their fruits. God keeps telling me these verses. Try the spirits and you'll know them by their fruits. Try the spirits, son. I'll give you the spirit of discernment. You'll know them by their fruits. Because like I said Wednesday night, I have to go beyond a shadow of a doubt who's fighting in my foxhole. Because I don't want to be killed by friendly fire. I said, I don't want to be killed by friendly fire. And friendly fire is this. People turning on you. And there will be a falling away. And the love of many will wax cold. So we might as well start now. And obey the commands of God that we should love one another. My wife is a great student of the Bible. And she brought a word to me the other day about kindness. And you know what it basically means? Having compassion instantly for another human being. Instantly. Caring. Compassionate. Concern. For another person. Listen. I preached to you a few weeks ago, stormy seas and high winds. 
I'll stand by it. But I also preach this this morning. That as long as we have the Ark of the Covenant, which is the presence of God in our life through the shed blood of Jesus Christ in salvation, we're going to be okay. There'll be some wounds and bumps and bruises, but that's what the body of Christ is for. To bandage one another up spiritually and to take care of one another in the name of Jesus Christ. To make sure that we stay safe and we stay well to the best of our ability. If you want to be a Lone Ranger, you're in the wrong place. Because Lone Rangers die alone. Lone Rangers will never make it. It's a corporate effort. It's a collective collaboration of people coming together, the body of Christ. And we are part of a network that goes throughout this world. Brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ throughout the world. Millions and millions and millions of people still in America praying and in foreign countries praying for victory and praying for one another. Father God, we just thank you this morning that we can pray for our brothers and sisters across the seas and in different lands, different cultures. And we thank you, God, that we don't have to die on the battlefield without the Ark of the Covenant because, God, we have your Ark in our lives. We are the church, not a building. This is where we meet. But, God, you've placed your spirit in our tabernacle. You've placed your spirit to abide in us, O Lord. And Lord, as long as we abide in you, as the branch abides in the vine, we have the presence of God that will go with us all the days of our life. And yes, Lord, we'll encounter giants, and we'll encounter those that are faint-hearted and feeble and fearful and afraid. We'll even encounter those that will run home and not come back. But Lord, help us to remain because the Bible says in the book of Acts, and they continued. And they continued. Lord, let us be part of that group that continued as we continue our journey until you call us, O oh God, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you and thank you for listening this morning.